This is the Indigo Mac Podcast. The voice of Mac security. For Thursday, November 11th, 2021. This week's Intego Mac Podcast security headlines include that old Flash Player update malware just will not die. Facial recognition won't exactly be leaving the metaverse. And we discuss the possibility of the Mac App Store being your only source for software. Is Apple planning to lock down the Mac? Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing okay, but I've got a sore arm. Oh, why is your arm sore? I had my COVID booster yesterday and my flu jab, two for the price of one. I got a double dose. In the same arm? In the same arm. Well, I'm right-handed, and I don't want to get an injection in my right arm, which would make it harder to work. So the nurse said, hey, we could do them in the same arm. It's okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so enough about COVID boosters. You've found more malware. I'm kind of thinking that this year, and maybe the, the malware isn't extremely serious, but I think we've talked about more malware this year than we have in previous years. It seems like every few episodes, there's more malware. This time, we've got new variants of Wizard Update and Bundlore. This is Harry Potter-themed malware, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Wizard Update is also known as Update Agent. You may have heard that name before. This is first stage malware. So this is the kind of stuff that you will typically see first, and then it might pull down other malware onto your system once it infects your Mac. And the type of thing that you're likely to see as you are about to get infected is a pop-up in your browser that says, hey, your Flash Player is out of date. Wait, wait, Flash Player? Yeah. Flash Player, why, why? Flash Player has been dead since the end of last year. How is this still possible? Exactly, right. Well, this is because, of course, that notification is not actually Flash Player. And the bad guys are finding that people are still believing these fake flash player update notifications that they're seeing in browsers they're still downloading and installing flash player quote unquote even though it's obviously in this case really a trojan horse it's not obvious to every user and that's the thing well most users don't know the difference you get lots of requests for updates you get updates for the mac app store in fact we'll talk about the mac app store in the second part of this show you get updates from microsoft office if you have that installed other individual apps may have an updater. It's a framework called Sparkle, which you're probably familiar with. It pops up and it, it updates apps. And other some apps even have their own updates. So if, if someone's not sophisticated, and if they don't listen to this podcast and know that Flash Player is dead, there's no reason for them to doubt a software update dialogue. In fact, this one actually looks quite interesting because most of them are pretty simple. But this one has the Flash Player logo overlaid on an image of an iMac. So it looks almost like it's an Apple dialogue in a way. Yeah, there's a number of really sneaky things that a lot of the bad guys will use to try to trick you into thinking that you legitimately need to install a Flash Player update. And and again, as, as you say, this is just not the kind of thing that the average person knows, no matter how much we as a security community may try to inform the public. It's just not something that your average person is going to know that Flash Player died a year ago and you can't trust flash player updates anymore. It's just not part of something that average everyday people think about. Can we do a Kickstarter for t-shirts that say flash player is dead and you don't need to update <laughs> your flash player? 
That's actually not a terrible idea. <laughs> I, I think I might get in on something like that. that. That would be a good marketing campaign. Pass this on to the marketing <laughs> department at Intego and see if they like it. Okay, so I'm, I'm assuming that Intego virus barrier users are protected against this. Absolutely, yes. And in, so in this article, we actually talk about two different malware campaigns. So one is Wizard Update. The other that we've seen in recent weeks is this updated Bundlore. Bundlore is a malware dropper um, that's commonly associated with a, a variety of different kinds of adware and things like that. Once again, it, this particular variant poses as a Flash Player installer. So um, the, the main thing to know in order to avoid being infected is don't install anything that pretends to be Flash Player. If it looks like Flash Player, assume it's not Flash Player, because even if it is, you shouldn't install it anyway, because Flash Player is dead. Speaking of dead, last week we talked about Facebook changing their name to a stupid word. What is it? Meat or something like that. And we talked about how Facebook <laughs> announced that they would no longer deploy facial recognition technologies on its platform. And we both discussed the fact that, yes, Facebook says that now. But what about Meat? Is Meat going to use facial recognition? Well, of course they are. Well, and not only this, but as soon as we were done recording, there was a little bit more information that sort of came out. Or, or some different media organizations read into things a little bit differently and, and found um, some evidence that Meta, the Facebook's new name, actual name, not Meet. Oh, sorry, I thought it was Meet. <laughs> that Meta is going to actually continue to use facial recognition technology. So the story, this is the one that really most of the media caught on to last week was Facebook, aka Meta, is going to delete all these facial captures that they've got, right? They're going to delete all those records. And that was the headline that everyone picked up, right? But if you read into it a little bit more, they actually say, yes, but we're going to continue using these technologies anyway. Even though even though we've deleted all that data, we're going to find other ways to use this technology. Hmm. Like maybe undelete the data. <laughs> so so here's the thing. I mean, sure, there, there's a lot of potential uses for this kind of technology. But uh, a spokesperson for Meta said, we believe this technology has the potential to enable positive use cases in the future that maintain privacy, control, and transparency. And it's an approach we'll continue to explore as we consider how our future computing platforms and devices can best serve people's needs. This is this is pretty much what that's weasel words. Yeah, yeah. When we kind of talked about this last week, that it sounded very weaselly. Even the the whole like we're deleting stuff kind of sounded weaselly. But they're saying the same thing, except now in relation to uh, you know we actually are going to use this technology, but we're going to be public about how we're using it. So another quote from the, from the same representative said, for any potential future applications of technology like this, we'll continue to be public about intended use, how people can have control over these systems and their personal data, and how we're living up to our responsible innovation framework. You've got the sarcastic voice down really well there, Josh. <laughs> that was really good. So if you really thought that this was that was the whole story, that uh, Facebook deleted everyone's data, and now you don't need to ever be concerned about facial recognition technology ever again. Well, obviously, that's not really the case. Okay, as long as we're on the subject of meat, just a 
quick musical recommendation. There's a jam band called Mo, M-O-E dot, and they did a song called Meat that's about 45 minutes long, a studio version in 1996. I'll link to a YouTube video with this song. Great song if you like jam bands and serious guitars. It's not on Apple Music, so I'll link on YouTube. Anyway, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Mac App Store. We're going to talk about sideloading. And we're going to talk about Apple's new multi-device management software they're calling Apple Business Essentials. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users since 1997. And our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected. Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection, Net Barrier for powerful inbound and outbound firewall security, Personal Backup will keep your important files safe from ransomware, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Monterey and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. That's podcast.intego.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. Intego, world-class protection and utility software for Mac users, made by the Mac security experts. Okay, so just before we started recording, Apple announced a new service called Apple Business Essentials. This is designed for small businesses from, well, one to 500 employees, and it is essentially an MDM solution, mobile device management, which includes, of course, Macs. And we'll link to Apple's page for this where they talk about setup, onboarding, backup, security, support, repairs, updates, make IT easy. It's kind of like you're managing, you know, if you look in your iCloud settings, you see all your devices. Well, here, if you're at a business, you can have all your employees, you can put all the devices in, you can assign devices to employees. Each user can have up to three devices, which I find weird because some people might need four, but you can control what's on the device, what rights they have, what they can install. And all they have to do is just sign in with their Apple ID. This looks like a really practical solution for small businesses. It also looks like a very interesting turnkey solution for Apple to be able to offer businesses not only the hardware, but the software to manage these devices without an IT department. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I, I'm curious to see, you know, some reviews on this because obviously because it just launched um, and it's in beta, by the way, it's not officially going to be released until spring 2022, they say. I'm very curious to see what businesses who have actually tried this out, what they think of it, because I, I'm curious to see how it compares with other like established MDM products. One thing that we don't know about this yet is whether or not you're going to be able to deploy apps that don't exist in the App Store. And that's pretty much a, a critical feature of most MDMs is being able to deploy whatever software you want, including, for example, antivirus software. One of the things you mentioned in your list there that they say that this is good for is security. And if you click on the, you know, tell me more about this, they say um, security for every device, privacy for everybody. And they mention some specific Apple technologies. Um, they talk about password and software update policies. They talk about FileVault, Active 
activation lock, but they don't say anything, not surprisingly, about antivirus software, right? Apple wants to still pretend that you don't need antivirus software and that whatever built-in protections they have are good enough. And we know that's not really the case. Um, even Xprotect, which is Apple's technology that's supposed to block malware, is always very behind. Um, you know, they have very, very limited types of malware and varieties that they block. It's just, it's not a full featured solution and it just doesn't really do what you would hope that antivirus software would really do. So, um, you know, if you're an actual business, you're going to want to have real legitimate antivirus software on people's computers that you're managing. And I, it's not clear yet whether this is going to be able to do that. Right. So we don't know yet whether you'll be able to install non-Mac App Store apps. I don't remember which version of Mac OS X added that the ability in the security and privacy preference pane to limit what people can install. This goes back five or six years already. You can set up a user account on a Mac, not allowing people to install anything that's not from the Mac App Store. Now, you could, of course, overwrite that as an administrator if you want to prevent people from downloading software ad hoc, but it does suggests that at some point, maybe Apple will make that the default and you won't have an option to do otherwise. With some interesting comments recently, Craig Federighi said, sideloading on an iPhone would open the floodgates to malware. So we're going to think about that. iPhone plus sideloading equals malware. But Mac plus sideloading equals what? Right? So today we know there's malware affecting the Mac. We just talked about some in the first part of this podcast. Are they pretending that there is no problem with sideloading on the Mac, or are they hinting toward a future where we can't sideload on a Mac? Sideload means installing software not through their app store. And of course, sideloading is a term that has been used with Android, right? Because with the Android ecosystem and the Android platform, you can... Um, get apps that don't come from Google's official app store, right? The Google Play Store is not the only store. There's a lot of third-party stores. And in fact, you can even download an app directly from a website and plug your Android phone into your computer and install the app that way. That's the idea behind sideloading is you can put like any app that you want, whether it's in a store or not, it doesn't matter. You can put it on your Android phone. And so when Craig Federighi is talking about sideloading on iOS um, and saying that this would open the floodgates to malware, he's not wrong. I mean, it, it's it's absolutely true that it would be much easier to get an iOS device infected if you allowed anybody to install any app from anywhere. However, <laughs> there are a lot of people who want to be able to install apps that they just can't get in the App Store. I know, for example, Fortnite, you know, the, the developer of Fortnite really, really wanted to be able to make a version of their app that you could potentially sideload on an iPhone and then you would be able to bypass Apple's ecosystem, their, their, in particular, their in-app purchases. But see, the difference there is that Fortnite wanted in to install a a store, not just an app. That's the difference. Yeah, but, but I think they would have been happy either way. Right. We have two things going on, though. One is a store, and the other is just the idea of sideloading. I don't know. Let's say I want to... I know you use GIMP, the image program that most people have never heard of, on your Mac. It's the 
GNU image manipulation something program. And there might be a version of that that could be made for iPad, for example. But if there is and you want it and it's not available on the App Store, then you can't do that. So uh, the the Fortnite thing is about payment processing. And we know the story in South Korea where Apple is supposed to open up their devices to alternate payment processing stores. But even without that, let's just say we want to install some freeware or shareware, and the developer doesn't want to pay the $99 per year fee to be a, a registered Apple developer in order to put their software on the App Store. Apple is fighting that uh, ruling in South Korea, by the way, which is not terribly surprising. They don't want to give in any jurisdiction, because then that would uh, make it easier for other jurisdictions to be able to say, well, you did that in South Korea, right? So Yeah, but just today before we were recording, there was some news that the judge who's looking at this was kind of saying that Apple's argument doesn't hold up. So I don't know when it's going to be decided, but the thing is that this may happen eventually. One of the things to remember, going back to business essentials, is that you can already install a custom app onto an iPhone or an iPad if you're a business. There is a specific program that allows you to deploy your custom app to individuals in your enterprise. So that's possible, but that's still not the same as freeware or shareware that you are installing on your phone. Right, and it's something different entirely from you know other software that you might want to deploy. Maybe somebody else developed software. Again, going back to that, that scenario of um, you have antivirus software that you want to deploy across your entire organization. Um, that's software that somebody else has developed. Um, but it's also not going to be available in the App Store just because of limitations on App Store apps. They don't have the level of access they need to be able to protect your entire system. So if Apple did lock down the Mac and only allow you to install apps from the Mac App Store, what would you do? Buy a Windows PC? What would I personally do? Yeah. I, if Apple decided that they were going to lock down the Mac so that the only apps that you could install were from the Mac App Store... I would have to abandon ship because, you know, if it got to that point where the only way for me to be secure on a Mac, right, is if is if I had the latest operating system and it didn't allow other apps to be installed besides what's in the app store, I would have to move to another platform. I would probably become a Windows user <laughs> as much as I don't and want to. And then you to. wouldn't be able to do this podcast anymore. Oh, I, I, I would still do the podcast. I, I'd, I'd still, <laughs> we, we'd still have plenty to talk about regarding Apple. And of course, I'm not going to entirely stop using Apple devices. Also, I don't think that Apple's moving in this direction, although a lot of the things that they're doing kind of hint that direction, that they would love to be able to prevent you from installing third-party apps from outside the App Store on the Mac. I think that it it just can't work that direction from a business perspective. Yeah. Although... It is true, I believe, that a lot of um, Mac users probably would be just fine using App Store apps only. Um, you know, most people probably use Safari. They use maybe they use Microsoft Office, um, but they can get that from the App Store. Yeah. Or if they use Google Docs, they can get that in the browser. Right, right. I mean, one of the main apps that I know a lot of people use on the Mac that is not available in the in the App Store is the Google Chrome browser. In fact, you can't get any third-party browsers, Chrome, Firefox, even Microsoft Edge. Um, 
Apple's intention is to restrict you to using the Safari browser. And in fact, even the handful of browsers that do exist in the Mac App Store are really just skins. They're just sort of like a, a, a new interface for the Safari browser. Um, Maxthon, M-A-X-T-H-O-N, is, is one example of a... Uh, a cross-platform browser, you can get it on a lot of different operating systems, but when you search for that in the Mac App Store, they actually tell you in the description that it essentially it's just a skin for Safari. It's not the real Maxthon browser. And there are many reasons why people would want to use a browser other than Safari. Let's say if you work on both a Windows machine and a Mac, you might be using Edge or Chrome and you want to be able to sync your, your history, your bookmarks and all that. I, I think it's interesting to, to point out that we've got three competing ecosystems. We've got Apple's ecosystem, we've got Google's ecosystem, and we've got the Microsoft ecosystem. And they all work at different levels, right? We're all familiar with Apple. Businesses don't use it as much, but individuals do. Chrome, we were discussing before the show, why do so many people use the Chrome browser? And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Chromebooks are inexpensive. Kids use them in school, and as they grow up, they might be more likely to use it. Microsoft ecosystems are people in business who are working with Office, maybe with Windows and sometimes with Macs and iOS devices. So they've got an Office 365 subscription. Edge is actually a good browser. It's replaced Chrome for me on the Mac, which I only use when I can't use Safari. So I think we've got the competition between these three ecosystems. And Apple knows that the browser is a bit the the sort of front gate to the ecosystem. Yes, exactly. Although Apple would love to do this with the Mac, to lock it down, to make it so that you can only get stuff from the App Store. And and while I think you would have a certain core, you know, diehard Apple users who would continue to use Mac OS, even if it were locked down that way, where you couldn't, you know, get third-party apps installed on it, um, I... I I, I do think that, well, first of all, two things would happen. One thing is that people would hack it, right? You would you would still be able to install third-party apps realistically because people would find ways to do it. Um, just, just like you can jailbreak an iPhone or iPad, right? It, it's possible to do. You just have to find the, the right, you know, exploit <laughs> to, to leverage to um, be able to bypass Apple's protections. And then you can basically do whatever you want. Um, so, so that's one possibility. You know, this, this is, it would not be a good business decision for Apple to make to to lock down the Mac. You can take a platform that it starts out very restricted like the iPhone did and you can open it up, right? It, initially the iPhone um, when it first launched, it had no third-party apps, period. And then they opened it up to web apps. And then they finally opened it up to the App Store. And then that's where it stayed. And it's not likely to ever go beyond that. Um, but with the Mac, it's always been an, an open platform in terms of development, right? Anybody can develop software for the Mac. And although Apple is kind of inching toward making it more difficult to run third-party apps, I don't imagine that they're ever really going to be able to get away with completely locking it down so where you cannot install any third-party apps, period. I think that would be a really bad business decision for Apple because businesses won't use it anymore. So one other reason that Apple might not lock down the Mac is in 2018, I think this is the last time I heard a number like this, Apple had 20 million registered developers. A registered developer pays $99 a year. So that's $200 million. That's an awful lot of money that they would lose if people weren't 
being able to develop for the Mac anymore, or if they were limited. Because even if you want to distribute an app that's not in the Mac App Store, you have to be a registered developer now to code sign it, to get your app notarized and all that. There are some workarounds to install things, but it's really complicated. Just to mention, we're both using Audio Hijack by Rogue Amoeba, which is software that we use to record ourselves. And when you install this on a new Mac, you have to go through this really weird process of like a special restart to reduce the security protection to install a helper, which is just basically a helper that under the, the, the hood is recording audio. So Apple is making it really difficult for apps that are, well, essential for a lot of people. Right, right. So it's already difficult. But then imagine that they just take away your ability to use Audio Hijack and and a lot of other apps as well. Again, antivirus software is one of those things that needs um, additional permissions that the App Store, at least currently, does not allow. So you take away whole classes of 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 software. It's not it's not even just individual developers that get are necessarily impacted. You, you've also got to remember that because Apple can arbitrarily change its rules for the App Store at any point in time, developers like that safety net of, okay, fine. So if Apple rejects it, we just distribute it on our own through our own website. And and that's something that uh, if, if Apple took away that safety net and said, nope, it's got to be App Store or nothing, then I think a lot of developers um, you know, are going to take a look at that and, and maybe reconsider whether they really want to um, spend all sorts of time and, and effort in developing software for the Mac with the possibility that at some point Apple may just yank it from the App Store. Well, one other note is that Tim Cook in an interview recently said, if you want to sideload, you can buy an Android phone. Right. So I think they're pretty much... they. They're just not going to let it happen on iOS and iPadOS unless they're forced to because of antitrust implications or whatever, you know, unfair competition. They're really firm on that side, but on the Mac, it's different. As you said, the Mac started out open and has slowly closed a bit, whereas iOS was closed from the beginning. It's always been closed. Before iOS, we really didn't use mobile apps. Now, admittedly, I had a couple of Palm Pilots and I downloaded a couple with a .prc files with the Palm Pilot things. And, you know, there were apps, but it wasn't the same. And we didn't have the same network access, so we didn't have the same kind of risks that we do now. Well, it'll be interesting to see what Apple chooses to do going forward. I, I really don't think that Apple would make this decision. I think that there's too many factors that would push Apple from going the the full step to just cut out all third-party non-App Store software on the Mac. Um, And I really do think that if Apple were to make that decision, that it would be a really, really major problem. And it would be the beginning of the end for the Mac, or at least the Mac as we know it. It could absolutely develop into a platform that ends up becoming more of a niche product, kind of like a Chromebook. Although obviously, you have quite a bit of a difference in the cost of those devices versus the Mac, but... And the ability of what the devices can do. You know, we look at the new MacBook Pros and they can do eight streams of 8K video and things like that in real time without even sweating. You can't do anything like that on a Chromebook. Right. I I just don't, I don't think that Apple's going to go this direction. Um, I really hope that they don't. But what led us to this discussion is the possibility that with this new Apple Business Essential service, you might not be able to use non-Mac App Store apps. Again, this this was just announced before we started recording, so we don't know yet. We'll find out in a couple of weeks. I think it's it's a sign. You can understand that Apple might want businesses to have 
that option that businesses might want to have that option, but there are also businesses that are going to be using apps that aren't on the Mac App Store, depending on the type of business. Yeah. Well, time will tell. And hopefully we'll be able to get some initial reactions and, and viewpoints on uh, Apple's new MDM within the next few weeks as people start getting the opportunity to try it out. Okay. It's coming up on Black Friday. So we're going to have an episode talking about Black Friday next week to get you all ready to be safe and secure for Black Friday deals. Until next week, Josh, stay secure. All right. Stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com.